Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing this morning? You know, it is Resurrection Sunday still. You know that every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. You know, that's why the church meets on Sunday. Did you know that? Do you know that Sunday is not the Sabbath? Maybe I'm blowing somebody's mind today. The reason (laughs) Sabbath is Saturday in the Jewish culture. The reason the church meets on Sunday is because Jesus was resurrected on Sunday. So every day, every Sunday when we gather, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Well, we are starting a new series, as we mentioned there, State of Grace. So we're going to be encouraging you uh, for the next four weeks or so, just talking about grace. You know, grace is such an important subject um, in the scripture, and some of it might be very familiar to you, and maybe some of it would be new to you, depending on how new you are to the faith. But it's such an important subject to understand grace, to rest in grace, to walk in grace, to know that God has given us grace. And when we, when we have a big event in the world of the church like last Sunday, we have Resurrection Sunday and Easter and all the different things that go on around it. And what can happen to us in those moments in the context of being part of the family of God is that we can relegate the activity of God into a church building. Uh, thank God for our church building because we can gather together and we can worship together and we can disciple children and students and you can get discipled and all of that is very important. Um, but what we don't want to do is we don't want to relegate all of the activity of God and the movement of God and what God is doing to just what's happening in the church building. God doesn't just live. In fact, he doesn't live in this building. He actually lives in you. And so what we want to do, and this is a big part of the understanding of grace, as we walk in grace every day, that God is constantly, the activity of God in our lives comes from grace. So we don't want to think, oh, I'm going to go do the church thing. I'm going to go do the God thing on Sunday. And then every other day, I'm doing something else. And then I'll come back on Sunday and do the God thing. God is for every day. And grace reminds us of this fact. So we're just going to be talking and enjoying the subject of grace. We're going to have Mother's Day in the middle of this. We're going to have uh, worship and prayer night in the middle of this. We got baptism coming up. So many good things happening in church. And uh, thank you for being in the room. Thank you for joining us online. Just a little shout out to everybody that has just been online, maybe for the last two years. Come on back. We would love to see you. You know, there's somebody in the room that actually needs you. I still love you. Don't be condemned today. Somebody in the room that needs you, and then there's actually people here that you need. And that can only happen when we are together. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Now, it doesn't mean we're doing away with our online service. It's just an encouragement, not a condemnation. So don't be condemned today if you're watching from home. And the other thing that I would say... As we move into this next season of church, you know, we have opportunities here at the church to serve, to serve with kids and students and adults. And, you know, uh, we've been in, in a weird mode in the last couple of years as it relates to the church. We've had three different significant lockdowns and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And what we don't want to do is create ha- uh, not good habits in this season. And so, you know, I want to encourage you, if this is your home church, consider, think about serving somewhere. Uh, we are, we, we're a few uh, people short of being able to offer city kids in our second service. And so moms and dads, if you are having kids 
in, in City Kids and you aren't serving yet, we'd love to get you involved with serving again. I'm trying to inspire you, not condemn you today. I'm not condemning you. You can still come to church if you don't serve, but I'm gonna keep talking about serving because it is actually one of the things that we're called to do. Jesus came not to just be served, but he came to serve. So it's not beneath us to serve. We all should be serving in some capacity in the family of God. This is a family. When a family has a party, you know, you're there, you're early and you're preparing for the people to come and then you stay late because there was a mass after people were there. And that's what it's uh, being a part of the family of God is that's a part of it is serving. How can I serve somebody this morning? Not just how can I get what I want at church? Because if, if that's your attitude about church, eventually you're gonna get disappointed and you're gonna be grumpy. And, and I, you know, I'm on this grumpiness kick the last little while. Don't come to church and be grumpy. Just be thankful. If, if you're checking your kids into city kids, don't try to reorg city kids. Come early, come on time. Be thankful that we have room for kids and there's volunteers in there to serve your children. Don't come in there with a grumpy face like you deserved it. I deserve free babysitting for my children. No, you, no. And first of all, we're not babysitting your children. We're investing into them and their eternal future. So it's really good to be on time. And then when you go to pick up your kids after service, we wanna have order, so there's places to line up and there's a methodology to pick up your kids. Don't try to reorg the pickup for the kids. Just stand in line. <laughs> Thank you so much today for serving my children. I really appreciate it. I'll see you next Sunday with a smile on your face. I need my kids, I need them now. And then, and then, and now. This is not that church, all right? This is not that church. If the ushers in this room are asking you to sit somewhere, just, you can be an adult. You don't have to be grumpy. Listen, I, I hear things, but I don't know anybody specifically. So if this is you, just relax. I don't actually know your deal. I don't know these deals on purpose so that I can speak freely in this moment. I don't say who is it, because I don't wanna know who it is, but I'm gonna talk in general. Be a nice person when you come to church, right? Act like the usher is your mom. <clears throat> Do you know that the word kindness, kindness means kin. In other words, you treat somebody like they're your family. So act like the usher is your mom. So if your mom told you, hey, we need you to sit in this row, what are you gonna do? Mom, I don't wanna sit in the room, blubbity blue, but I need to talk to your supervisor. What? <laughs> this is church. Be kind. So I don't wanna hear about grumpy people in the aisles of the church or in the city kids hallway. Can I get an amen? And if you feel like your grumpiness must persist, there's, I'll, I'll help you find a new church. Listen, I love you. I love you. Just don't you, just, you know, we don't want family disruptors. 
We're having fun already this morning, and we're talking about grace. All right. Pastor Brent, you need to give us grace. I just gave it to you. (laughs) You got it with instruction. All right. As we talk about grace today in this series, you know, there is this really sort of lofty ideas that we talked about last week on Easter Sunday and about eternity and an eternal resurrection and new heavens and new earth. And sometimes these ideas can seem so far beyond us sometimes, or maybe we have a hard time comprehending them. But we don't want to just think about the gospel in those terms, Um, and it is high and true ideas, but they are brought to life through the daily action of grace from our Father God. And this is what I want to think about in this series, that God's activity in our lives is daily, and how God acts with us is as a gracious Father. This is how God is acting towards us, and this is what we need to expect every day. So if you are in the habit, again, of condemning yourself as it relates to your relationship with God, you know that God is not condemning us, that God is always giving us grace. And there will be no moment in any day of your life or any activity that you were involved in that you will not need the grace of God. You know that this idea of grace is distinctive to the scriptures that we have. You know, there's, there's commonalities in religious books around the world and from different traditions, but the one distinctive that we have as it relates to following Jesus from our scriptures is the doctrine of grace. All of these other scriptures that are given to us have moral teaching and moral code, and we also have moral teaching in the scripture. And then in the context of a lot of these other uh, systems of thought, perhaps if we adhere to all of this moral teaching, perhaps we'll find our way in to heaven or eternity or utopia or whatever the case may be by the accomplishment of all of those things. But grace says it's because of what Jesus has done. Through the finished work on the cross that we can actually walk in the charis. That's what grace is, the Greek uh, word charis. The, The grace of God, this word charis, we get our word, our contemporary word charity, charitable from this gospel idea of grace. Do you know that charities come from the heart and mind of God? And people do like to do charitable work, but they don't like to serve God. Something for you to talk about in your city group. Hospitals are individuals taking care of people who are not their family. This is a Christian ideal. This comes from the scripture. It comes from this idea of charis. It's just grace. I'm gonna do this for you, not because you deserve it, but it comes from the heart of God. That grace is profound and it's pragmatic. It's this big idea, but then it's super applicable to every day in our lives. Grace is to be understood in the terms of dynamic expression of the divine personality. If you're taking notes, this is a good time to take some notes right now. The divine personality of God towards us is grace. God is gracious in action. 
Listen to this phrase. Through divine initiative, human alienation from God is turned by him into a state of unmerited acceptance that opens the way for reconciliation and redemptive usefulness. Alienated from God, that I'm not in a relationship with God, but grace turns that around for us. And God offers us a relationship with himself because of his goodness, because of what Jesus has done. Grace is unmerited favor. Favor based on a relationship. You know, you ever asked anybody for a favor? You're running like, oh, I need you to do, could you do me a favor? You generally don't ask strangers to do favors for you, do you? You don't walk up to somebody, hey, will you do me a favor? He's like, what, no, we don't even know each other. Favor comes from relationship, and this is what God gives to us, the relationship that he provides for us. It's unmerited. I don't deserve it. I didn't do anything to qualify for it, but God gives it to us. Favor is grace and kindness and blessing. It's a gift. Paul begins many of his letters with grace and peace to you, and then he finishes many of his letters as with Grace and peace. Grace helps us to change. This helps us to receive what he promises. Our relationship with God from beginning to end is full of grace. And can you see why this is an important idea not to just leave that Sunday? All of who God is comes to us in our lives so that we can have grace to be good parents, that we can have grace to be a good spouse, that I can have grace to work at my job, that I can have grace to be a good boss, that I, have, I can have grace to be a witness for Jesus. It's the daily activity of God in our lives. So grace is our starting place in our relationship with God. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith. How do we get saved? By grace. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. All of the things that I mentioned at, at the beginning of the service that help us have a good organized church. If you do all of those things, We'll have a good, organized, peaceful church, but none of those things, God will be like, okay, now I'll let you into my kingdom. I still want you to do them. But we don't do those things so that we can become right with God. It comes as a gift, and all we would do is receive that gift. There's no merit. There's no merit that anyone can boast. This is such a beautiful philosophical idea because people are still struggling with this notion. Well, if, I, if I'm good enough, God will do something for me. No, it's just a gift. It's only a gift. Stop trying to qualify for a gift. You can never do it. Just receive it. John 1, 14 says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace 
and truth, talking about Jesus. John bore witness about him and he cried out, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. From his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. Everybody say grace upon grace. This is what we've received because Jesus came. Not just one grace, but grace upon grace. This is what God gives to us. Now listen, for the law was given through Moses, the old covenant, the old way. And it's what I just said. It's still the attempt of many people today to get right with God, to obey the law. If I obey the law, I'll get right with God. The old covenant, the old way. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace. It's a gift. It's unmerited. It's favor. It's the activity of God towards you. His goodness in action toward you. And Jesus came to bring us this, brought us this beautiful grace that we can rest in every day. Acts 20 verse 24 says, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So what is the gospel? The gospel is about the grace of God. The good news is that salvation is a gift and it's only a gift. You can't qualify for it. And the salvation that we've been given, God wants us to walk in this goodness every day, all of the time. It is the gospel. The gospel message, it's grace. Unmerited favor. <clears throat> so we start in grace. God wants us to continue in grace. We don't wanna just leave the notion of grace at the moment of our salvation, the moment of a prayer. We want to continue our lives in grace. Colossians 2 verse six says this. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus, our Lord, continue to live your lives in him, <coughs> rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith that you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So what did we do? Just as you received him, just as you started, how did you start with God? By grace through faith. So continue to live your lives in him. This is how we continue. We don't in a moment of salvation say, oh God, I receive your grace and then get on the religious treadmill. Be like, oh, I gotta do all these things. I gotta do this, I gotta do this. No, I gotta do this and I gotta do this. No, all of the practices of our faith and prayer and Bible reading and serving at church and loving each other. None of these things are getting us on the treadmill so that we can receive the goodness of God. We've already been recipients. This is how we started. This is how God wants us to continue, that we would just continue walking in grace every day, all of the time. And then what we do, just overflowing with thankfulness. Thank God for his grace. Thank you, Lord, for your grace for today. That's a good way to start every day. 
Thank God for your grace today. The things that I need to do, thank you for your grace. For the moments of parenting that I need to do, thank you for your grace of parenting. To deal with the traffic, thank you, God, for your grace. And I'm operating just in this thankfulness because I, I know that God's actions toward me are good. They're full of grace. Proverbs 3, verse 3 says this. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet. Thank you, Bryce. Of your heart, I was gonna ask. So he read my mind. <clears throat> Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Don't let steadfast love faithfulness, forsaking. Now, what does that mean? That doesn't mean that God's forsaking us. It means that we just forget. And we just kind of then operate and how good can I be? Come on, let's be honest with ourselves. Any, anybody in church, anybody done this at some point? I'm just trying to be so good. And then you fail and then you condemn yourself. And then what have we forgotten about? We've forgotten about God's faithfulness, his steadfast love. The scripture says, even when we aren't faithful, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. We just walk in this grace. I don't forget about it. I bind it around my neck. I write it on the tablet of my heart. So you will find favor. Everybody say favor. That's what grace is, it's favor, God's favor. Good success in the sight of God and man. This is what I, I pray for anybody, you know, maybe going for a new job or they're looking for a situation to change your life, just praying God's favor upon you. That God can do for us things that we can't do for ourselves. God, I, I need your favor. I'm not gonna forget about your faithfulness and love and just depend on self, just depend on me. No, he, his love and faithfulness is eternal. Galatians chapter two, now the whole book of Galatians, Paul has planted these three churches in the Galatian region and he's writing this letter back to them and after he planted the churches, preached to them the gospel, the Judaizers came in afterwards and, and tried to say, yeah, yeah, Jesus is good, but you also have to fulfill the Mosaic law. These are the, you have to, yes, you say, Jesus is your Lord, yeah, no problem, but here's what you need to do, and you can't eat this, you gotta do this, and all these different rules that they tried to add to the gospel. And so this is the context of the book of Galatians. Galatians 2, 21, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If righteousness could be gained through the law, through you and I accomplishing the law, that Jesus died for no reason. Now, we certainly wouldn't do that consciously, those of us that are Christ followers. We would say, ah, you know, Jesus dying for me, no big deal. The sacrifice of love, I don't care about it. But what Paul is saying is when we start to depend on our flesh, on our ability to be good on our own, and then take that moral goodness to God in prayer with some sort of expectation, 
And then how does this show up? And then something good doesn't come your way and you're like, God, I thought I was being a good person. You were depending on the wrong thing. Are you here this morning? And if that bad thing didn't happen to you, most likely because you were a bad person, that bad thing happened because there's bad things that happen in this world. It is broken. Can't always draw a straight line from your stupid actions. Well, sometimes you can, but you can't always draw a straight line from your actions to something bad happening to you. It is this, I just need grace. And Christ died for a reason for me so that I could experience the grace of God. Galatians 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Talking about what? Trying in and of yourselves to fulfill all of the law. This is a yoke of slavery. But grace says, God, I'm going to rest in what Jesus did. And see, we need grace when we mess up, when we sin. What do we go to God and ask for when we mess up and sin? Forgiveness. So he gives us grace. But when I try to get on this treadmill of religiosity, man, that's a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, now this was... Uh, again, this was something, an Old Testament thing that they were trying to implement in the Galatian region. And this is why the, the male population of the church was small. I'm missing the joke in the moment. <laughs> in the Galatian region, the membership class was difficult for men. Do you know what I'm saying? Hey, honey, I need you to come to church with me this Sunday. Yeah, no problem, babe. I'll come with you. There's just this one issue just for men at our church that you're going to need to, I'm going to need to what? To go to this church? Come on, you can laugh in church this morning. <laughs> See, this is why we need city kids open, full services. <laughs> if you accept circumcision, in other words, some other path to God except grace. Christ will be of no advantage to you. If you're depending on what you can do, Christ is no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law which no person has ever been able to do except Jesus. Now listen to this phrase. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Now we use this term incorrectly in our modern vernacular. We say when somebody sins, when they mess up, that person has fallen from grace. But in context, that's not what this is saying. It says when we're depending on our ability to fulfill the law, we have fallen from grace. Not sinning, depending on self, depending on my ability. 
But when I depend on grace, I'm not looking to my own goodness. I'm looking to God's mercy and his grace and I'm coming to him for forgiveness. And I rest in the grace that he gives. So let's not fall from grace, depending on self, depending on me only, but let's depend on what God can do. And then finally, point number three today is we need to resist pride and we need to receive grace. See, our human disposition will be pride, self-dependence, self-determinance. This is a big thing today in the culture. And a little bit, it sounds like this. And hang on till I get to the end because I know it's gonna bother you at the beginning. It sounds like this. You can be whoever you want to be. And you can't. Don't tell your children that. Here's what you need to tell your children. You need to be who God has made you to be. Because the other is pride. The other is that's above your pay grade. You aren't supposed to be self-identifying who you are and what you do. God has given you something by grace. And that is the thing that you're supposed to walk in. But pride says, I'm gonna do it on my own. I'm gonna define myself. I'm gonna tell you who I am. But we need to humble ourselves. Say, God, who have you made me to be? You could do this and do this and do that. Yeah, but what, what has God called you to do? Don't ask the culture that question. Ask God in an honest prayer. God, who have you called me to be? Because there's voices, voices, voices out there. God, who have you made me to be? See, this, this pride is we self-justify. You know, there's, again, there's so many opinions. I don't want to get sidetracked on this. But there's so many opinions on so many things. And whoever you listen to, sometimes they will tell you about their opinion, that their opinion is the right opinion or the correct opinion. And then you try to self-justify saying, I'm on the right side or the good side of this argument. And then there's a, a puff up thing there going on. I'm on the correct side of these idiots. <laughs> who think differently than me. What is that? It's just pride. But for us to receive grace, we've got to humble ourselves. Submit ourselves to the will of God. James 4, verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? It's a really good thing to know. Is it not? that your passions are at war within you? Your passions at war within you. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. I'm like, whoa, that escalated really fast. <laughs> Scripture talks about hatred is murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. 
You do not have because you do not ask. That whole first part is pride. Does anyone in the room today, do you like to be right, correct? Come on, I like to be right. And in fact, I kind of think I'm, no, I'm just joking. (laughs) Everybody likes to be right, correct. What what is that? What is the deep (laughs) negativity in the human heart with that? It's just pride, it's it's self-dependence. And it causes all of this fighting. Can you be honest with yourself and look back at a fight that you were in that actually wasn't somebody else's fault, it was actually yours because of your pride. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, who wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. A friend of the world is not talking about people who aren't saved. It's talking about the ways of the world, the ways of the secular world. Or do you suppose it not to purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Don't you want that? Think about who God is and who I, now we can have more of our own opinions, right? More of our opinions based on partial information, based on a desire to be right all the time. But here he gives more grace, God, who is always good and his disposition towards you is favor. He gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The word picture that we would see is just kind of, you know, standoffish. We're at arm's length with God. And it's not God doing it to us, it's our pride. But I wanna, I don't know about you, but I wanna remain in this place where he gives more grace because I need more grace. Do you need more grace today? Do you need more of the favor of God in your life? How's it gonna come? Is it gonna come by me getting on the the religious treadmill and try to prove everybody how spiritual I am and try to do all of these things and uh, do all this? No, or am I just gonna like, I humble myself to you, God? He gives more grace. going to read to you here Romans 12 verse 1 in the message paraphrase and it says this so here's what I want you to do God helping you take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping you're eating you're going to work and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him See, again, we, we relegate sometimes the activity of God to this room and this room only. And don't get me wrong, I'm trusting God every Sunday to move upon your hearts and your lives in this room. But it's really bad if we just do the Sunday religious thing. God wants to, us to take all of our lives and offer it to him humbly 
say, God, I need your favor in all of these areas. I need your help in all of these areas. Last verse, Proverbs 16, 15 says this. In the light of a king's face, there is life. And his favor is like the clouds that bring the spring rain. And the spring rain is significant of blessing. In the king's face. What does that mean? It just means remaining in the presence of God, humbly, not depending on me, how religious I can be, but depending wholly, completely on God's grace. Just sitting there every day, thank, thank you, God. Because without you, I'm lost. I'm lost today and I'm lost forever. So I thank you for your grace. And in that place, there's favor. There's the actions of God towards you that are good all of the time. Let's just pray this morning. God, we thank you for your grace today. We would be nowhere without it. So we are just truly grateful for your goodness and your favor in our lives. We're so thankful, Lord, for all that you've given to us. We're so thankful, Lord, for our family and for our friends for our job and for all the blessings that we have in our lives. God, you are so gracious to us. We are so thankful today, Lord, that we can be in your presence and remain in your presence. And the only way that is true is because you are good. God, we rest in that today. We yield ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to you. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you are here this morning, or you're watching us online and you have never said yes to Jesus, you've never walked in a relationship with God, it's all about how we talked about this morning. It only comes from grace. It only comes as a gift. And God wants you to receive that gift today. He invites you into a relationship with himself, the gospel, the good news, as we read, is that God offers us this gift of relationship and we just make Jesus our Lord and Savior. And this is how we have a relationship with God. We are trusting in what Jesus has done not what we have done, simply put. So we're gonna pray a prayer here in a second. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you can do that with us today as we pray. Or if you're here this morning and you wandered away from God, you know, you used to serve God at one point, maybe you feel like you're not as close to him as you used to be. You know, God is not mad at you this morning. God invites you close to himself again. So church, let's pray this out loud together. Let's all bow our heads close our eyes and pray this with somebody who might be praying it for the first time. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that Jesus came and lived a sinless life. 
died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So I say yes to that relationship today. I say yes to your righteousness. I say yes to the gift of salvation. God, I call you my father. And Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. And I turn from my own. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's congratulate those that might be doing that for the first time. Hey, if that is you this morning, um, we are so excited that you made that decision. We actually have some materials that we would love to put into your hand this morning uh, to help you on your journey of faith. If you just head to the info desk in the lobby, one of our team members is out there. They would love to connect with you and give you those materials. If you are watching us online this morning, if you just email us at info at thecitychurch.ca, we would love to get those same materials into your hands. Um, just one other announcement. If you are visiting with us this morning, there is a connect card there in the seat pocket in front of you. We would just ask you, uh, take that card, fill it out. Also turn it at the info desk in the lobby. Uh, just so that we can connect with you and find out if there's any way uh, that we can serve you. We invite you to be part of our church family. We're here every Sunday at 9 and 11, moving closer to Jesus. One other reminder about our young adults event this afternoon at Streetsville Bowl at three to five. Uh, again, there I think Calvin said there's a link in our Instagram bio so you can register for that just so we can know how many people and how many lanes that we need this afternoon. But you don't wanna miss that. This is a great place for you to connect with other people here at church. Uh, create community because we all need friends. All right, thank you for coming to church this morning. We will see you next Sunday for State of Grace Part Two. You are dismissed. Have a great day.